Hallmark Quality Control. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Hallmark Quality Control. I'm Reagan. I'm Morgan. And I'm Ansley. And today we're reviewing a Halloween autumn time movie called Three Bed, Two Bath, One Ghost. We're going to start with a summary of the story and then we'll talk about what we thought of it. Anna is a brand new real estate agent entering her father's business, having recently closed down her restoration company with ex-fiance Elliot. Her first listing is a gorgeous historical house with lush trees, beautiful paintings, and its very own ghost. It's the home of Ruby Baker, a young woman who died tragically in her 20s, during the 20s, after a bad parting with love of her life and family chauffeur, Charlie. She's been haunting the vacant property ever since. Anna is the first person to see Ruby's ghost since her untimely death, and after some squabbling, the two form an alliance to help each other. Anna will help Ruby move on, and Ruby will help Anna restore her relationship with Elliot. Ruby gives Anna the push she needs to communicate better and make an effort with Elliot, who also wants the relationship to work. Elliot and Anna are both afraid of repeating the mistakes of the past on top of dealing with Anna's father's disapproval. After outmaneuvering competing agent Terrence and learning how to open up, both women are able to move on. Ruby crosses over to her love Charlie, who waited for her, and Anna and Elliot are able to give their relationship the restoration it needs. So this was kind of a different storyline for a Hallmark movie. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that featured a ghost as a main character. So that was kind of fun and kind of different. Uh, What did you guys think of the ghost storyline? I loved the change of pace. I, I, I also thought what was interesting about the ghost being also a main character is that there really weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of time for a lot of side characters. So it's pretty much this ghost and Anna and Elliot and like her dad and then Terrence, the real estate guy in there a little bit. They're really focused on these three main characters and it felt like their two plots were so crossed over each other and interwoven in their interactions and everything that it it felt a lot more cohesive, I think, than Hallmark movies Mm -hmm. generally do. And In spite of the fact that it was about a ghost that she can see and no one else can see, less cheesy maybe in some ways, (laughs) interestingly. so It sort of made the plot tighter. Yeah. Yeah. It was tighter. It was moving everything that happened in each scene. It was a natural evolution of what had, you know, there wasn't all this superfluous stuff. I feel like it flowed better. That's what I was going to say is that I think because they didn't have all those sort of it, it didn't feel like, oh, we need a sideline, you know, a side story and an extra character so we can kill time to make a two-hour movie. It was not, did not have that feel at all. I do agree. Like, it, it felt more compact and focused, but I think that made it, that made the movie, yeah, it made the pace nice. Like, you felt, I felt more involved in in engaged in what was going on like I cared about this storyline and I didn't have to be like oh great here's another scene with his stupid best friend or whatever you know right there wasn't just a dorky best friend that was a vehicle for like stupid exposition that they wanted to get out of the way mm-hmm. yeah so one of the interesting things about the fact that there was a ghost and really about this Hallmark movie is that you know the love story between Anna and Elliot 
you know, the idea of coming back to an ex-fiance, that's not really that new. Um, but their, their relationship was nice. But Ruby and Anna's friendship had probably more screen time mm-hmm, than the romance sure. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ruby and Anna were the main characters. Um, and Elliot is right up there with them. But I think it really was more about Ruby and Anna both figuring out, you know, for, for Ruby, like, I guess both of them had to get unstuck was kind of a theme. Like for mm-hmm. Ruby, she's been stuck in this house. She, as a ghost, has not been able to get outside of the house until she interacts with Anna. And that kind of opens her world up a little bit. And then for Anna, she's kind of been stuck in this habit of not finishing things and um, not really expressing her emotions and um, hasn't found a successful career, hasn't been successful in love. And so um, she's just trying to get her life on track. And so the two of them really form what is at first kind of this alliance and then in the end really is a, a warm friendship. And they have they have sort of the overbearing father image thing in common as well between mm-hmm. the two of them. But, um, yeah, I thought it was... It surprised me almost, um, like, how how well that worked. And, um, you know, this was... I'm just sort of putting the pieces together in my mind that this did something pretty different from what a show like The Ghost Whisperer did, which is where, like, on The Ghost Whisperer, Jennifer Love Hewitt has the ability to see, like, the ghosts of people who have recently passed, if it's, like, a traumatic passing or something like that in most of the episodes, she's helping the ghost move on, right? Like, she owns a little antique shop, and that's what she does, and the story's all about the ghosts that she helps. Um, Something they did all the time in that show that really just kind of irritated me was the ghosts were always disruptive to her life. Mm. Like, she saw them, and she interacted with them in public and had a hard time, like, not looking crazy, and they would always be disruptive of her, which, like, made sense in that story. But now that I think about it, Ruby was actually not really disruptive when she was out in public with Anna. Like, Like, they went to the coffee shop a couple times, and she's like, I'm just going to sit over here in the corner and just watch what's happening, and I'll give you notes later. Like, she wasn't over there trying to tip over the coffee or do something crazy or cause too much mischief, and that was actually kind of refreshing. She was like a reasonable ghost. Yeah, she did interact, and she did have a little bit of mischief of her own. You know, she wrote a letter on Anna's behalf and put it in Elliot's pocket. She... Um, she, she interfered a little bit. She ordered a bunch of stuff for the open house party. Maxed out the credit cards. Maxed out the company credit card, you know. Um, and so she, she did have her ways of interfering, but it wasn't to an irritating degree Mm -hmm. or, or, or to a level of, you know, like when they're having conversations in public, there, there are occasionally times where, you know, it looks like Anna's talking to herself um, but not excessive. They didn't really play into that too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, it was reminding me, uh, making me think of, um, Rex Harrison in The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, and he is very, like, that disruptive kind of thing that you're talking about from Ghost Whisperer, like, my goal is to make you look crazy in public and drive people away, you know? And uh, I saw, I kind of found myself expecting that and then not getting it, which was kind of a nice, like, relaxing surprise. Almost like, 
hey, I know that you're a ghost and you're dead and that's sad, but like also I'm a human being and I'm living my life now and these things are important to me. So, but I did think, you know, they had Terrence saw her dancing because Ruby was trying to teach her the Charleston. Um, But first of all, she was dancing by herself in the living room of the house and Terrence took a video. But Terrence should not have even been there. Terrence needs to mind his own beeswax, okay? And it's also not that crazy. Yeah. For... A single woman to dance in a house by herself. She's listening to music and and working and it's late at night and maybe she's tired and so she's trying to keep herself whatever. It's like, it wasn't that unusual. Oh, and then for, well, and then for Terrence to like, oh, she looks crazy. I'm going to film her and send it to her dad and, and try and make him question her sanity or whatever. Like, come on, that's just stupid. And say, quote, I'm concerned. Does anyone actually think that Terrence is concerned? About himself. About himself. (laughs) That was part of my problem with the ending of this movie, that, you know, part of the storyline is that Anna has become a real estate agent because she was too scared to go for what she wanted. She had this failure with her business with Elliot, and that had shut down, um... And so it was like, this was the backup plan. She was going to be a real estate agent like dad. He was happy with that. She's family business in. She's going to take over what he's doing. And Terrence is over there just like wringing his hands in the corner and conniving that, you know, she's going to swoop in and he's put in all this time there. But it's like Terrence is really not that great of a guy. And in the end, Anna decides, I don't want to be a real estate agent. That's not what I want. Like, Thanks, thanks, but no thanks, Dad. You should give the business to Terrence. Like, that's well and good that she's moving on and she's figured out what she wants. But I don't feel like Terrence is that great of a guy. I kind of don't want her dad to give him his business. I don't care. It's kind of like Terrence and her dad deserve each other a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. is there going to be business that's partners true. and have their little smarmy real estate business <laughs> and not have any uh, genuine relationships with any other human beings, then that is all well and good for them. And and just, You are so right. You know what? Like like it's some big treat to inherit her dad's real estate business. I don't think so. Like, yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I think Terrence, I mean, if you put yourself in Terrence's shoes, he's worked for her father for 15 years. He clearly cares about his profession. And then all of a sudden... The, the owner of the company's child fails at their business. And so, oh, we're just going to onboard them and they're going to, they don't know anything about real estate. They got their license yesterday, but we're going to just hand it over to them. I could understand feeling bitter about that, but also, sorry, that's how it works. If he wants to give his business to his daughter, he can totally do that. And you're just going to have to yeah, deal with Start Terrence. your own real estate business, Terrence. Yeah, start your own business, Terrence. And also... He, I don't feel like he was saying he was going to, like, for sure give the business to her. He was letting her do a trial run on historical yeah. house that had failed to sell by, like, four other realtors. Yeah. So he gave her kind of a bad project mm-hmm. uh, to start out with and just said, here you go. It's kind of a mess. Go for it. And by the way, I set, I already set the open house for you in two weeks. Nothing you can do about it. Like... Okay. Yeah, so, like, I don't feel like he necessarily did her a lot of favors to prime her to take over the family business. And so I really don't think Terrence had as much to worry about as he thought that he did, but yeah. he just couldn't help himself and he had to interfere. Well, so. that's that's kind of why I respect at the end that it seemed like Anna realized that, you know, her dad was not the biggest fan of Elliot because he didn't have a college degree or whatever. Um, it's like... 
there's just this really nice, attractive man in front of you with with a business and like a good job and stuff, and he loves your daughter. Can you just like get over it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you have to have a college degree to get a real estate license. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I I liked the fact that Anna sort of said at the end. Um, sorry, but I do not want your business. You may keep your real estate business. You may keep your nasty business and give it to Terrence. And I'm just going to do my own thing. And guess what? If I can get Elliot back, I'm going to because I love him. And that's how it is. And I really just want you to accept that. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, very easily because his homework is like, okay, kiddo, whatever you want. And they hug and stuff. And it's nice. But like the reality was that there was like a schism there in like in identity Mm -hmm. of she was just trying to be what he wanted her to be because she didn't really know what she wanted. She didn't feel confident in it. So I like that she didn't just, they didn't just act like it was okay. And and she decided who she wanted to be. And she said, this is what I want to do. Please just support me. I'm not asking for you to like, I'm not asking to be you. I'm not asking you to dictate what I am. I'm just saying, I, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And I would like to have a relationship with you. Can you handle that? Well, and he, yeah, he just really was not very fatherly throughout. Like, he always, he asked her to coffee, to talk, and then it's only basically to say, well, Terrence told me that Elliot was at the house, and I thought you were done with that, but I have to go meet clients for her at an open house. It's like, that is so, first of all, yeah, it's rude, by parents but honestly, it's, it's like, it's like her dad played the uninterested businessman city boyfriend. Yeah. Like normally a, Except a, it was her a father. boyfriend. <laughs> a boyfriend fills that role of like this uninterested businessman who's just too absorbed in work. And judgmental of your freedom. And judgmental. And and instead of that being a current boyfriend, it was her dad. And the interesting thing about that is um, you know, it I feel like I enjoy some of the movies where there isn't this antagonistic relationship between the two, the romantic pair that are falling in love. Mm -hmm. There was no antagonism. Mm -hmm. There were things that they had to work through, but there wasn't this other man. It wasn't a triangle. It wasn't antagonistic. It was just two people who loved each other, who couldn't figure it out, who still Mm -hmm. continued to love each other and wanted it, you know? Yeah, it turns out most people that fall in love don't just show up and hate each other for a long period of time and then become just enamored with each other, Well, you know? I just thought, I don't know, thinking back, going back to the father, like how uncool of he's given her this assignment, really pressured, you know, to get it done in the two weeks before the open house. He shows up to the open house because things are all, you know, have run amok. And she's she has to leave the whatever meeting with Elliot and go try and take care of this. And he's not, he, you know, Terrence sent him this video and said, I'm concerned. And the only thing he can think about or talk about is like the open house and how she botched it. If I was her and I was trying to do a good job and like make my parent proud, like this is his business. This is his livelihood. He wants to take me into it. Like I want to try and like, you know, do it right. And he, he doesn't stop and say, hey, like, are you okay? Like, Terrence sent me this thing. I know this has been a lot of pre-. Like, talk to her like a human being, you know? Like, not like a, not like a client or something or a, or a contractor he, or. Yeah, he was more like her boss or her uncle or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, not really a dad. 
Badly done. Badly done. It made me frustrated that she shows up and I don't really get what Ruby did to sabotage. She ordered too much on that credit card. So Ruby orders too much on the credit card. Apparently maxes out the company credit card to have a shindig. They've already paid deposits, I would think. I mean, I'm just... It's like, I've canceled the open house. This is my reputation. It's like, the stuff is here... I don't, I don't really understand why they couldn't just, like, put, keep the open house yeah, together. Yeah, most of the time, being someone who, for work, occasionally uh, orders things like caterers or, like, you know, has events or whatever, um, by the time you're the day of and people have shown up and they've had the expense of the food and whatever, and they can no longer book anything else, like, you are already paying 100% of the services anyway. Mm-hmm. So you may as well have the best open house of your life, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I don't think Ruby was trying to sabotage. I, I am a little baffled that, you know, for her, what currency would have been, you know, like, how much money would have been worth back then she should have been like completely astounded at today's prices. <laughs> so I'm a, it's a little bit funny that like she did go hog wild and just like ordered all this stuff. Well, and she was rich to be fair. Yeah. That's Maybe true. She never but, looked like, at her, price tags before. Yeah. It, it kind of seems like it should be that, you know, she was like, oh, what is that? Well, you know, how come it costs that much? I, I got the impression that she did it, overdid it on purpose in order to get it canceled so that Anna would have to have a reckoning with herself. And I couldn't quite tell yeah. if they were committing to oh, that I line or that if way. it was That's the other way. Like, I felt yeah, like. Yeah, it was sort of ambiguous yeah. whether she intentionally messed up the party so that Anna would, would have to realize that she didn't really want to be a real estate agent or if it was messed up and then she's like, I'm sorry, I let you down. I felt like it was more of the former of mm-hmm. she messed it up on purpose. I did not yeah. get that vibe off of that. So that's interesting. Well, what did you think of Anna and Elliot's relationship? <laughs> it's really refreshing to see an actual masculine man in the lead role. Mm. He was just masculine and nice and protective of her. Terrence comes in and is trying to stir up trouble, and he kind of steps in and acts He's like, oh, so you're not her. here to help Terrence. Oh, yeah. yeah you're back up, to Terrence. So, so why don't you leave Terrence? And, um, you know, he fixes the mantle for her. They spend, like, nice quality time together. They... I thought the settings that they had, like, they went antiquing. They went to this nice restaurant. It was very romantic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A date that, like, average people would actually go on instead of something, like, extreme and weird. What was adorable was that they were at this autumn fair festival thing. And Ruby, the ghost, cannot, like, interact directly with people. She can't touch people, but she can touch things. And there was this thing about how Elliot had never won Anna this prize at this, like, carnival game. Mm-hmm. And Ruby goes behind the um, the game and makes sure that his toss goes in so that he wins the prize. Like, Ruby was really wing-womaning Anna that was super the cute. whole time. Yeah. It was adorable. She's like, I'm going to make you get out there and dance with him. I'm going to steal your credit card so you can't leave until you dance with him. I'm going to write down what you say, and I'm going to put it in its pocket. She was really 
doing a, a good assist on it, and it all worked out. I don't think there was anything that Ruby did to try and help that didn't help. That's yeah, true. Yeah, I think she was pr- actually pretty helpful. And She was a great ghost. The letter that she wrote on behalf of Anna, she didn't just write whatever she thought. Mm-hmm. She asked Anna, well, how would you, if yeah. you, you know, were going to tell Elliot some things, how, what would you say? And then she, she used that to write a letter that she then stuck in Elliot's pocket. And in that, that one of my f- favorite lines from the movie is when Anna is describing Elliot and she says that, I would tell him that he is simultaneously one of the most normal and one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really romantic yeah. because I think that's kind of ideal. That's what you're looking for. You want somebody that is just so normal to you and like someone that you can be comfortable like having in your everyday life, but someone who is also just so extraordinary to you that you're just like, how, how am I with this amazing person and how do they mm-hmm. want to be with me? And so I just thought that was one of the most romantic lines from this movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. It didn't annoy me that, I mean, obviously she had weird issues going on because she was seeing a ghost and that made her behave kind of in an odd way. And Elliot was kind of like, what's going on with you? There's something going on. It's weird, whatever. But um, I feel like overall they really communicated well in spite of everything and they they both wanted to work through things and there was a lot of will they won't they and tension and like you know oh i want to you know give my heart to you again but i just i'm worried that the same thing is going to happen that happened before and and they were both kind of in that position so i just felt like it was a more complex and interesting romantic relationship they never just yelled at each other or had like an unreasonable misunderstanding Mm -hmm. oh yes no like big misunderstandings well and yeah they were they were not dealing with the surface level of their relationship they were dealing with like the underpinnings of like what's like the actual is this relationship functional and I, I always bristle a little bit at, like, they had this line a couple of times about maybe we're just two people who just really love each other, but we're just not meant to be together. And I always kind of think that's a little bit of hogwash because if you have, they clearly think they have common values because they dated before and they um, had a business together and they both say that they love the other person. You just sort of think, well... Just figure it out, which I guess is really, though, is what they were doing in the movie is trying to just figure it out. But it took them a while to get there. Right. Of like they had broken up. And I don't know. I never I I never really buy that line of of we just love each other, but we're just not meant to be together. It's like, no, you just haven't worked at it. Well, yeah, I think it was. They, they weren't dealing with, I can't believe you're going to buy my dad's blueberry farm and turn it into a condo. You know, it wasn't just something <laughs> dumb like that. <laughs> I can't believe is. you bought this this community garden and you're going to put a high rise on it because that really burns me. <laughs> and it wasn't that. It was like we were together and we know that we care about each other, but s- things happened in our relationship that made it really hard mm-hmm. for both of us. And they were able to communicate about it. Mm-hmm. I felt like you were distant. I felt like you checked out. You broke off the engagement, but I can reflect and realize that I was not mm-hmm. putting in 100% even before that. Both of them, you know, Anna, 
you know, Ruby encouraged Anna to go, just go have coffee with Elliot and like clear the air on some stuff. And she just started by apologizing and just saying, I'm sorry for the things that I did wrong. And here's some of the things I did. He processed that. And the next time he saw her, he said, thank you. I accept your apology and I need to apologize. Here are the things that Mm -hmm. I did. Both of them could own up to their stuff. They didn't yell at each other or have a dumb misunderstanding they both ultimately did want to make it work, and so they did what like healthy people do, which is, okay, let's let's decide that we're going to repair our relationship and let's work on this, the issues that we have. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how we can communicate better so that I don't feel like you're secretive and I know what's going on with you and stuff like that. Well, and I really liked that the flaws were not one-sided. It wasn't like he was perfect and she had freaked out and called off the engagement for no reason. It was like, okay... There, you know, there were some things that happened, their business collapsed, you know, her father didn't, like, there were some things there that they needed to deal with, but it wasn't all her, and it wasn't all him, and they both could, like, okay, I acknowledge that I had a part to play in what happened here that led to the situation that we're in, and they, yeah, it wasn't a... Like a one-sided, oh, I'm just, I'm perfect, and because I'm so perfect, I'm going to forgive you for how, like, stupid you were or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you think of Ruby's character development over the movie? You know, we focused a lot on Anna and Elliot's love story, but Ruby had her own love story that we saw a little snippet of at the beginning. She fell in love with the family chauffeur who was, like, the best man in the world to her. Obviously, her father didn't approve because it was the 1920s and she was a rich socialite. Um, and then she dies tragically young and she's scared that um, if she crosses over or moves on, that the man that she loved is not going to be there waiting for her. Mm-hmm. That, you know, she's sad and, and scared to know whether he moved on or not because she wanted him to be happy, but she also has a hard time imagining him with anybody else, and that's hurtful to her. Um, so she has a lot to work through in order to unhaunt the house <laughs> and move on. Uh, so what did you think about Ruby's development? Well, um, first of all, did they make... Her love interest is chauffeur, like, because of Downton Abbey or something. Isn't that some kind of Downton Abbey socialite person falls in love with a, a chauffeur? I just think, like, the chauffeur is one of the more, you know, obvious interactions he's, that he's a, a rich person would have a had classic. with, a, with yeah. a poor person. He's you know? a manservant, but he's he's not doing manual labor. He he He's a man servant, but he's still a man. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, kind of fun, now that you guys both put on a little bit of an accent there, that she, <laughs> yeah. she did have this 1920s socialite kind of a way of talking. And, you know, the actress did a really good job, like, staying yeah. very consistent yeah. in that character. Uh, it was very interesting, and uh, it, it w- that was pretty pretty enjoyable. I was worried at first. At the intro, I thought... This is going to be terrible. It's going to look like we've had a 1920s costume party the whole time. And to be fair, her jewelry did look pretty terrible. But other than that, I feel like she pulled it off pretty well. Once yeah. you put her in, like, the modern world, it didn't bother me. Yeah, I will say, like, when you we open up the movie and it's like, oh, there's these ladies dancing in flapper attire, you know, and like, oh, it's her, it's her, it's her birthday. They looked like entertainers. They looked like they had been hired to entertain at the party because their dancing was so choreographed. So, like, 
that part and the costuming at the beginning was not my favorite, but luckily we didn't spend a ton of time there. I kept thinking at, at the beginning of the movie, I thought, oh, it's going to be like, she's going to be doing a, a Catherine Hepburn kind of voice all the way through the movie and it's going to be horrible. And then it really wasn't. She was consistent and it was it was fairly subtle. It wasn't it wasn't too over the top. So I, it it did not bother me the way that I expected it to at the beginning. No, really, really, I do. Really, Father, <laughs> I'm in love with him. <laughs> okay, last question. If you could haunt any historical location, what would it be? Oh. Oh, Let's assume, for the sake of argument, that you don't have a family that you're trying to watch over or something like that. It's just you as a ghost, some place historical anywhere in the world. Where would you haunt? For me, I feel like it's got to be people watching, right? Like, you've got to pick somewhere that's interesting so you don't get bored. And plus, it's cool historic location. So I thought, you know, I would probably haunt Buckingham Palace. I just want to see what the royal family is up to all the time and, like, know all the British secrets. It's a huge house to haunt. <laughs> yeah. You can spy on the royal family. There's lots of interesting places to be a ghost. You can find a room that nobody's using, I'm sure. So I would haunt Buckingham Palace. That's a pretty good That's one. That's the first yeah, one I was I thinking of, too. I was going to say, I think it needs to be, like, a fairly large property so you don't get bored with that, but one that would still have some activity. I don't know. Maybe the White House. Yeah, I was going to say, alternatively, the White House would kind of be our American equivalent of that would be pretty interesting. Although I'm sure there are, like, there have to be some really interesting sorts of mansions and things. Um, Historical mansions in uh, the New England areas. um, That would be cool. I mean, you could live in a villa on the beach in, you know, Tuscany, or I I guess there's not a beach in Tuscany, but you know know what I mean? Like, you could live in some, like, really fancy palace You could, like, haunt the Louvre or something. You could haunt the Taj Mahal. You would be one of many, I'm sure. Oh, I would be creeped out. Even though I would be a ghost, (laughs) I would be creeped out (laughs) to be in the museum with the wax figures. I would, I would, I would die all over again. Oh, my word. I recently was at the... Uh, Music Man Museum, um, and I had never been into the back part of that before, and there were a couple of figures, and it freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. It's, like, uncomfortable to be in the room with. I I wholeheartedly second that. I had a visceral reaction <laughs> to, to being in the Music Man Museum. I had to tell my friend, can we leave? Honestly, I can't handle being in this room right now with these mannequins. This is too much for me. Is it okay if we leave? I don't remember it being I have a visceral fear of, of mannequins and wax figures. Like, I've been back in there, but... You know why so that is. I, I'm creeped out thinking about it's it. It's because of that old time radio show that dad used to play <laughs> where this guy gets trapped in a muse- in a wax figure museum and the, the figurines come to life and scare him to death. He dies of a heart attack in a wax museum. There's that's also where it started. That's a contributing episode. factor, but that's not the only. That's where that's it started. Right. That's the, the origin thing. point of my fear of wax I don't think figures. that's the origin for me. I just think I've, I've always found the presence of something that could be human and could move but isn't unnerving. It's just unnerving. It's like a, it's like a healthy 
it's kind of fear that your your you know your really primal instincts are like that doesn't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the valley of the uncanny. Like it looks that's literally what it's called, I think, isn't it? Where it looks hu- enough human-like that it's, like, a little bit freaky and unsafe feeling to be around. Yeah, the Uncanny Valley is this, um, it's kind of this diagram of realism where there's up to a certain amount of realism. We, we perceive things as cute. So, like, Mr. Incredible, like, cartoon characters that are like that were like, oh, cute, nice, fun to watch. And then really super realistic you're like okay yeah like another human being and then just on the slightly unrealistic side there's just an uncanniness where it's like you're you can look at at something and you're like I know that you're trying to be human but you're not totally human and that that just and that is uncomfortable and that is the uncanny valley oh wow okay historical location you would haunt um, any final selections? You know, I would, I would probably say something like the White House would have the most, like, potential for people watching, although I would say, like, Des Moines, um, like, the Des Moines State House, the Des Moines Capitol would be interesting, or the Governor's Mansion in Des Moines is a really cool house, although it's a small house, so if you're going to spy on the Governor, probably easier to do it at the, if you haunt the Capitol building. All those dolls. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. The, they do have the dolls, but not quite as uncanny. They're less creepy, but yeah, it's adorable that Kim Reynolds' husband is just in there with all in a tux with yeah. all of these women. Hundreds of in years of in the governor's yeah, wild so for people who don't have context for that, the in the governor's mansion in Iowa, they have a doll of each of the first ladies, you know, who were married to the governor. And, and the, the dress the dress they, they wore, wore at the for, inaugural uh, the ball, inaugural ball. Yeah. and so uh, Kim Reynolds is you know the first female governor of Iowa, and so her husband is there. Yeah, the first dude is she likes to call him. Yeah, um, wearing a tux in the in the doll cabinet with the, with the other dolls in their dresses. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, I think I'd uh, if it were if I were to haunt a political location that would get <laughs> a political location. Yeah, yeah, that would like that would we've get, narrowed in on our interests. Well, I mean, that would get that would be interesting. That would be where a lot of interesting. But I'd also just get sick of it too. Yeah. So I don't think that's ultimately where I would How, choose. But I can't. I it's, there are too many options. It does. That a person can narrow in on. I think it does depend on the rules of the haunting, though, because if we follow the rules of this movie, she was not allowed to interact with people, but she was allowed to interact with objects. So can you imagine, like, haunting the White House and like watching what goes on and watching the news and then being like, "No, I feel like the public should see this," and then just taking it. You know what? It would be hilarious to be, like, known as uh, an anonymous intern or whatever who's seen things around the White House. Yeah. That you just, like, revealed true things like, via, like, writing or typing or, like, email. Yeah. whatever. Like, you you could probably, okay, you could probably haunt the IT guy, set yourself up a legitimate email address, okay, mm-hmm. find it a computer that no one was using during the day. Or during the night, you know, mm. sit sit up at night, watch everything that's going on, be the inside snoop, the inside source, and yeah. like be still be interacting and and very much impacting the real world, yeah. but as a ghost, that would be pretty. You interesting. could change you the know, course in this of modern history. age of technology. 
yeah, it's so much easier to 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 haunt than it than it used to be. You yeah. have so much more power as a, as a ghost. Yeah. But it is really interesting. It's so noble of you that both of you are like, how can I change the world for good with my haunting? Well, and I was like, I just want to see what the royal family's secrets are. What is happening in there? <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, that you too. Get to see good secrets too. Yeah, yeah. I, feel like I just that's, feel that's like really the British royal is. family is going to be more interesting than watching um, old, really old presidents take naps in our White House because I feel like that's just kind of what happens there. That's true, but then you'd get to see who's actually running the country while he's taking <laughs> yeah. a nap. So, you know. Okay, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any final thoughts on three bed, two bath, one ghost? I do want to say that I don't think that trees work by somebody dropping a bouquet of flowers, and then that becomes a tree of flowers. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. I did think it would be very poetic, though, since... Um, so. For those who didn't watch the film, um, Ruby dies after her boyfriend, Charlie, has given her a bouquet of flowers and she drops them. And the spot where they drop is where this tree grows. And then um, by the time we get to present day, the tree is dying and it's just going to die off. And it's part of life. I thought it'd be really sweet if they tore that tree out (laughs) and then um, Elliot and Anna planted their own tree there. That would be nice. Would See, I kept holding out hope. I kept holding out hope that they were going to just buy a buy the house outright and like restore it and live there like oh they have maybe, to maybe yeah. they still will or or maybe they will restore this house sell it whatever maybe they will find a different house we can get a sequel and they can th- maybe just he will be able to see the ghost or like just she will be able to see that ghost too and she just has a superpower or whatever you just want it to be the ghost whisperer what if hallmark did the ghost whisperer that's what we're saying <laughs> I mean, they've uh, taken away the the purity of the role he was playing on One Calls a Heart uh, by there being a lack of integrity on that show. We're not going to get into it. We can't talk about about it. it. But but I'm just saying they could just move him to a different series with this. A ghost show. Let's just move him to a ghost show instead of I would watch that. I would watch that over Chesapeake Shores any day. Yeah, yeah, a ghost, a ghost whisperer, mm-hmm. Hallmark, Hallmark version. Yeah, well, they have to buy the house, and you know, if they don't live there, they can turn it into a museum. A, well, the, it's going to be Ruby a, Baker a, Museum, a place of historical, historical significance. Yeah, you know? yeah, and they can turn it into a wedding venue. It's yeah, yeah, and then they can they can remake Wedding March one, two, three, and four at that location. <laughs> oh boy, what a treat! Ansley, any final thoughts on the movie? Um. You know, there, there's, it's, there's always room for a classic. Oh, we, you need a makeover to attract your man. So here's a little <laughs> extra blush, more blush than you would possibly ever wear in a normal circumstance in a highly bedazzled bow. And now you're ready for your coffee date. Um, but no, overall, I thought it was, um, it was in some ways not what I expected and in a lot of ways much more interesting and was more enjoyable to watch than I expected. I thought the two of them, the two leads, which they're actually married in real life, aren't they? I think so. Are, are they? I think so. I think they are. Shut up. They are. So I always kind of like so knowing cute. that like, Oh, they're actually married. Like, you know, well, um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause they had an easy chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
So I thought it was it was quite enjoyable. And and to the uh, point of the makeover, Reagan did have a question while we were watching it as to how it was that the ghost could get a barrette in her hair without touching her, <laughs> without like being able to touch people. Well, okay, so but this is this is a classic barrette technique. You just open the clip and you use it to scoop the hair and then release. <laughs> But okay, but is when, the hair not her? <laughs> but when she's holding objects, they don't seem to be like floating in the air, so they seem to take on her ghost properties. So then, would they go through her hair? But that if they take if they take a hold of her ghost properties, she would not have been able to break the vase at the end of the movie, which caught Elliot's attention. No, I don't think the objects took on ghost properties. I don't well, know. Everybody, was, everybody apparently was just not very observant when she just snatched a credit card and walked through the restaurant with well, it. Well, but then her clothes. She was changing clothes. It wasn't like she wore the same ones every time. The clothes were part of her personage, though. I know, but, like, there was just nothing. The rules were just really She had goggles. Unclear. You know yeah. what I mean? Anyway, they yeah. were, That's they were true. not the most clear. Was it was the that ownership of the barrette? Her, was it her? Was it Ruby's barrette <laughs> or was it Anna's barrette? Maybe that matters. Because Ruby's barrette. It's got to be Ruby's barrette. So I feel like there's, you know, I just, I'm kidding. Okay. Well, you it know. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Semantics on ghost rules aside, I, I thought it was actually a pretty cute movie. The storyline was different. Nobody was annoying. The characters had natural and easy chemistry with each other. Nobody was doing anything, like, super unreasonable except for being a ghost. So... Yeah, I thought it was good. It was enjoyable. Like I said at the beginning, I think the plot was a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it felt like it moved much more quickly. Sometimes in these Hallmark movies, you feel like, oh my word, we are only halfway in because they feel like they move so How slow. How many and times can we make caramel apples for the festival? I know. How many times can we make caramel apples for the festival? How many times can we can we volunteer for the poor and the needy to show that the characters are good people. We didn't have to do any of that. We didn't have to moralize about how good the characters were. We just, like, interesting things happen most of the movie. So, wow. That's that's pretty that's new. That's pretty new for it's Hallmark. Novel. So, that was great. Well, at least we had a good one this week. Um, and stay tuned for some future episodes. We've started talking about our Christmas podcast. And we're very excited about what we're going to be talking about this Christmas season. Uh, So stay tuned for another episode of Hallmark Quality Control.